0: Hi guys, welcome back to our podcast, Zermondo Talks. I'm Christina, and I'm here to introduce you to some of the smartest people in the Amazon sphere. If you're new to our channel and you like to get some industry insights, learn some expert tips that you can apply to your own business and hear some interesting stories about entrepreneurship in general, make sure you subscribe to our channel and hit that notification bell so you will never miss another episode again. I don't want to keep my guests waiting, so let's jump right in and say hi to Susan Hickson, who's the founder of the Private Label Law Boutique. Hi guys, what's up? I'm here with Susan Hickson, who's the founder of the Private Label Law Boutique. She's based in Kentucky, the US, and will hopefully answer some of my questions today. Hi Susan, glad to have you on.
1: Hey, Christina, thank you so much for having me on.
0: It's my pleasure. Can you (laughs) tell me in just one sentence, what is the private label or boutique?
1: I sure can. So we help our clients create long-term wealth with their private label products by guiding them through the complexities of the legal landscape so they can grow their businesses securely and confidently on a daily basis.
0: All right, and what kind of services do you offer?
1: So we provide anything related to legal and private label. One of the primary focuses of my practice really is trademark law. And we, we also do um, supplier agreement negotiations, distribution agreement negotiations, um we do label and warning compliance reviews to make sure that people's labels on their products are proper and compliant um, but the, the really cu- like key core area of this practice is trademark creation clearance prosecution, enforcement, which is a huge part of it, and maintenance. Um, I'm a big advocate of taking a very thoughtful approach in creating a trademark. And w- w- especially when you're at the stage of product selection, they, I really feel like they go hand in hand. And unfortunately, I feel like people s- sort of don't pay a lot of attention to it, Right. Yeah. They'll, they'll unfortunately select a trademark that's descriptive of the product, which is a big no, no, or they'll pick a trademark. It looks like they threw out a bunch of Scrabble pieces <laughs> <laughs> and, and just grabbed a bunch of consonants and maybe a vowel because they thought they had to get a pure domain name that aligns with the trademark. So I try to help people find that balance. So your advice on that,
0: like in a consulting role also?
1: Yes. It's really important to find the nexus of a strong trademark from both a a legal and a marketing perspective.
0: All right. And uh, how long have you been around for with your firm?
1: So I've had my particular firm for about eight years and the, I've had the private label law boutique for just three years. So I've had my, I've been practicing for about 15
0: years.
1: (laughs) I was with a big law firm for, um, for about eight years. And then I said, Oh, this big law firm lifestyle is not for me anymore. I want to start my own law firm. So I did it.
0: (laughs) Awesome. Do you have your own experience with selling on Amazon or, how did you decide to just work in the Amazon industry or e-com- industry? Yeah,
1: that's a good question. Um, actually, several years ago, I don't really know. I've always been a big book purchaser on Amazon, right? Like I have been purchasing books for years on Amazon. And I remember when I got out of law school, one of the first things I did is I sold some, some of my law books on Amazon. Because I, I realize, and this was years ago. And they're realized, super expensive
0: to buy new, right?
1: Oh my gosh, they're so expensive. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. And the problem was at that time, this was about 2000. Let's see, I graduated in 2003. So around 2003, 2004, Amazon, I, you know, I guess at that point they were starting to allow sellers, but most of it was, you know, were books. And I could have taken my books to a bookstore on this and they would have given me almost nothing for those books. You know, it it was crazy. And I was like, wait a second, I'll just sell these on Amazon. Right. So I sold them on Amazon. I was like, that was really cool, but I didn't really fool with it a whole lot. And then maybe about five years ago, there was all this kind of Amazon buzz. And I was like, you know what? this is interesting. I know a thing or two about, you know, business. I'm going to try to sell on Amazon. So I did. I kind of went through the whole process of private labeling my own product. It was, it was a lot of fun. And it happened to be around Christmas. I first put my products up online and I was so excited because boom, 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 they were selling. I was like, I'm going to be a billionaire, you know? (laughs) And, um, and then after Christmas, it was like Phew. and then I realized that people were just probably buying whatever they possibly could find.
0: <laughs> I don't yeah. think I had a
1: great product. I don't think I did a great job at it. I think I just got lucky. <laughs> <laughs> but um it was interesting, it was fun, and I learned a lot. But then I, I also learned that really I'm an attorney, right? I'm a lawyer, and I realized that there were a ton of people who were kind of screwing things up that I thought I could help those people with those specific issues and I could, you know, provide more value doing that. And that's probably what I should be doing instead of selling my own products.
0: <laughs> so you transform you transform from being a competitor to someone who helps them. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> really nice. Really nice. I don't
1: I don't think any of my products though would have been too much competition. So <laughs> uh,
0: I still looking- like these little
1: power banks. Yeah, I, I, just, uh, I
0: was going to ask which kind of product it was, but
1: yeah, I saw, so, I sold some power banks and I sold um, <laughs> some of these really ridiculous uh, cell phone uh, holders. <laughs> and I seriously still have a ton of both of them are like around my office. When somebody comes by, I'm like, here, take, some, <laughs> take a power bank, someone, please have <laughs> my power bank.
0: I want to get so, rid of the inventory. Yeah. <laughs> awesome.
1: So, uh, but it was good. You know, I learned a lot. I learned about the platform. I also learned about the problems with the platform. Um, and I really feel like that kind of helped me with, you know, kind of get into the space and just having that familiarity with yep. it is is helpful. But I'm a big advocate, Christina, of not building an Amazon focused business an Amazon centric business
0: because I think it's dangerous. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It concerns me from my perspective and and I feel I I want people to build a brand, like focus on building a brand and and that sells, that that sells on multiple channels, right? Like people should have their own e-commerce site. People should sell on Amazon if they, if they want to do it for sure. Like it's a great place to test your products, but, don't forget about other p- platforms out there. Right?
0: Yeah, I mean, there are also so many horror stories out there about accounts getting suspended or listings uh, getting kicked out. And then, <laughs> if you don't have another sales channel, that's it. Maybe for months. You and then, yeah.
1: Exactly. Exactly. It's it can be very. You know, you could have a an IP complaint lodged against you. You know, yeah. and and it be a very. You know, it could be an egregious competitor that does something to your listing or, you know, a a glitch in Amazon, within Amazon. And that's why I'm just like, you know, it really makes me nervous when someone comes to me and they're like, I'm building an Amazon business.
0: Like, no. Build an e-commerce business and then your channel's. Yeah, okay. I get what you mean. So it's um, not that common that uh, lawyers also have experience with uh, selling on Amazon. So this is definitely a USP of yours. What other reasons are there to choose you over other law firms?
1: Well, there are definitely a lot of great law firms out there. Um, and there, there are even more and more that pop up in this space. One thing that I really work hard on is excellent Client service and responsiveness and quick turnaround time for my clients and moving their trademark applications through the application process as quick as I can. I know that getting that registration, that trademark registration is really important, especially when they want to register with Amazon's brand protection programs or record their trademark with customs. So Time is of the essence, (laughs) and you know, and I, I, I get that. So, I try to make my pricing competitive with other law firms. And one thing that is a little bit different about me is I am a small practice. I am a boutique practice. And when you hire my firm, you work with me. Uh, So, if you don't like me. (laughs) <laughs> there you go. So, uh, yeah, and, you know, a lot of firms have, you know, five, 200, 500 attorneys. So, you know, it just depends on what people want. Some people want that really big firm that has the internal capabilities to do, you know, all different areas of their business, right? And there are a lot of firms that do that. But I'm very, very I'm very specialized and and I like that because it allows me to really dig into the subject matter and kind of become an expert in that myself as opposed to trying to do all all the things, right? It could drive us crazy.
0: Yeah. All right. Very good. Um, Are you working with clients from all over the world? So um, let's assume I'm a German Amazon seller and I want to start selling in the US and I'm like, oh damn, I don't know anything about law, whatever. <laughs> Can I come to you and you will help me?
1: I, th- one of my favorite things about my practice is that I get to work with international clients on a daily basis. I love that. And I look at that as just being a, a bonus with, for what I do. So yes, I have clients from all over the world. I don't even think that I have a client. Oh, actually, I have, I have one client in my state. <laughs> and I have clients in um, Germany, Ireland do I have any I have some clients in China Japan, Australia, New Zealand, Canada. I have quite a few Canadian clients um, so it 's definitely the highlight of of what I do is getting to help these people um, with the amazon uh, channel so you know, the the interesting thing that's happened uh, recently is that the United States Patent and Trademark Office now requires international um, entities to retain U.S. counsel. So Uh that's a very new ruling by the United States Patent and Trademark Office. So that's, I think that's great. Um, And, but yeah, I do work with a lot of different people from all over the world. It's fun.
0: And what do they say about your work? Could you tell me three things?
1: (laughs) Um, Time to brag. Yeah. One thing people tell me, I think this is really funny, is they sometimes they'll say, you're not like most attorneys I know. (laughs) That's good. And I'm like, I think that's a compliment. Right? I don't know.
0: I I would take it as a compliment for sure. Yeah, I
1: take it as a compliment. I'm like, okay, thanks. You know, um, so... And I think it's because a lot of attorneys are are very rigid and I am I'm try, I try to be very warm and, and open. Um, another thing I think people would say is that, I, is that I'm good at taking a very holistic approach when it comes to giving them advice, right? Like, I'm not like you have to do... I mean, of course, I'll say this is the legal... This is the legal rule that we have to follow. This is the law. But I understand that there are businesses that you have internal business decisions. So I, I try to help them make those decisions based on a lot of different factors. And then um, I guess the last thing would be that I do try to be very cognizant about the budgets of, of young businesses. And I'm very, um, One thing I like to do is, you know, propose kind of unique strategies for protection of intellectual property, um, to help people avoid costs. I'm very aware of that. And I think, I think a lot of times big law firms, like big firms, they work with a lot of big companies and they already have sort of a set aside legal budget. When you're working with small businesses, they don't have like the legal budget, right? (laughs) You know, the fees that go to provide the legal services can be taken from some other part of their business. It's something that like can go to marketing, right? So I like to tell people, you know, to take a really big picture approach to all of this. Does it make sense to enforce your trademark at this moment? Like, it, it doesn't always make sense. There might be legal reasons to do it, but I understand that there are always business and financial um, reasons to do that. and I want my clients to always know that I appreciate that as well.
0: Super nice. Um, what do you do when a client is not happy with your work for whatever reason?
1: I always ask, what could I do better? Right? I think that one of the I can get clients. I can generally get clients the outcome they want. One of the biggest issues that I've had to deal with and something I'm working on is fees, <laughs> right? <laughs> because our most attorneys charge an hourly rate and 30 minutes in one hour can... Be a chunk of money, like the difference in that can be a, a decent chunk of money, right? Like the more you charge. And you know, I've had clients that have been like, Oh, this legal bill just really kind of shocked me, <laughs> you know. And and what there's a couple of things that I've been working on internally, and one of them is doing more flat rate work, like flat rate proposals. And I, I do have that. Um, for several of my services. I can't do it for everything. Cause there's too many unknowns, but we yeah. I do try to give a good estimate. Um, and of course, like I work with clients on, you know, restructuring the fees if, if we need to, most clients are, um, you know, appreciate my time that I put into it. So that's really one of the biggest things is kind of having that, like, you know, I, I kind of hate sending out bills, right? Like I was, <laughs> you know, like, because I want my clients to feel that they got a value, right? And I'll write stuff off, like, right? Like I'll, I'll, you know, I'll give discounts and things like that. Because like I said, that it just adds up so quick. And and hopefully the flat rate proposals for work is more palatable um, to, to clients going forward. And, and like I said, that's something that I've been working really hard on integrating. And I've been doing that for about the last six months to a year so it's pretty new but
0: i think uh, that's also a major benefit then of working with you that it's so personal because big law firms i mean they have an own department like the financial department and they just send out bills like this yes. and <laughs> you really take the time to sort of estimate uh, the client situation
1: yes and or, and that's the thing like i because i don't have a finance department and I don't have a marketing department or a collections department. Right. So you know, I look at every invoice that before it goes out, you know, and Mm -hmm. I'm, I look at it and I give it some thought. I'm like, did this person get this value? Right.
0: Awesome. You know?
1: And then if I'm like, that's just too much, like, this is shocking. I'll write, I'll write it off. And you know, part of that is because it might've taken me too long to do something for whatever reason, right? Like, or maybe it was a slightly newer issue that I hadn't seen before.
0: Or sometimes you just have a bad day or whatever.
1: (laughs) You just have a bad day.
0: yeah, Yeah.
1: Right, you're just a little slower and you're not like on task. So that's one reason I think that the flat rates, you know, fixed fees is really becoming more of the way to go because it incentivizes the service provider, me, to, to be more efficient as well. Right. So, you know, I think that's really something people should think about when they are looking to hire a law firm to help them is to make sure they really do understand the fees. Always ask questions. There's one thing that you're, you're, there are no dumb questions and no one should ever make you feel stupid about asking a question. Always say, well, what does this mean? Right. How does this fee structure work? And you know, when you're, when you have a time clock going, some people just, you know, are more lackadaisical about their turnaround time. So it's just something to think about.
0: Okay, great. Then I'm uh, already uh, at my last question for the part about your business. Um, Here in Germany, like laws and regulations change like every day (laughs) i'm pretty (laughs) sure it's similar in the in the us so how do you keep up with that how do you stay up to date do you read blogs (laughs) or do you subscribe to any newsletters oh yes
1: i subscribe to there's one that i subscribe to called lexology l-e-x-o-l-o-g-y and i have it tailored so i only get trademark related um yeah and so it's you know you could get overwhelmed you're right because you know, laws do change. Now, I will say that sometimes I feel like, you know, because law is based on precedent, it it does seem to change slower than technology, Yeah. (laughs) right? So, you know, the world changes quickly and, you know, the laws are like, what's going on? Should we, you know, should we change this or that? So, um, an example would be, the legalization of marijuana in the US for recreational and medicinal purposes and the decriminalization of it. And granted, that's not directly related to my exact practice area, but assuming that changes so that it does become decriminalized, then there's gonna be a ton of trademark work to do, right? So because the states, um, a lot of the states are kind of saying we're gonna legalize it anyway. <laughs> we don't yeah. care what you say, federal government. Which is kind of funny. Um, there's, you know, a lot of legal issues in each of those states when it re- comes to, um, you know, legalization of marijuana. But it's it's one of those things that like you have to kind of stay on top of because you know you think it's coming down the road. You, you're like, okay, it's coming down the road. So I do try to pay. You know, I, I try to read. Um, I don't read case law every day. I think I would fall asleep at this point. <laughs> I like, to read other, I like to read commentary about other lawyers. That's usually sure. what I read, like a lot of blogs and stuff. So,
0: so uh, you mentioned before that you worked previously in a big law firm and did, that it was not your kind of thing. I mean, you could have gone to a smaller law firm. Why did you decide to take fate in your own hand and become self-employed?
1: Um, because I love the entrepreneurial spirit. Like I, when I was working in a law firm, I I got to work with um, a lot of big companies, right? And that was a, that was a great experience. They they had robust trademark portfolios. There was always a lot of work there. They paid their bills, right? Like so. It was, <laughs> but then I also worked. I got to work with a lot of you know startups and you know small businesses. I should say a lot. There there was kind of a sprinkling in there but I really enjoyed that. And I was like, I want to start my own business one day. Right? Like, so I thought, well, you know what? Why don't I just start my own law practice? I know I can do this. I know I can do this. And yeah, I just, I didn't, I knew that the corner office, you know, with a big oak desk and the leather bound books, that was not for me. Right. And there's a lot of crazy politics that go on in a law firm, whether or not it's large or small, you know, and anytime you wanted to implement a change or suggest something, you had to go through like, you know, the partner above you and then the partner above them and that, you know, and there was always this like ladder to get anything approved and moving forward. And I thought, you know what? If I have my own practice, if I want to do something fun in terms of marketing or I want to, you know, change a policy, the only person I have to ask is me, <laughs> Susie, should I change that policy? That change my fee structure. Yes, you should. So boom. That's how it happens. You know, you can make changes really fast. And when you have your own practice and it's the same thing when you have your own business, when you're an entrepreneur, right? You you can change fast. You know, they say fail fast and be ready to pivot. And I just, I love that. I love kind of that whole entrepreneurial spirit.
0: Love it. So then I have a small challenge for you. You only can use one word, one adjective to describe your work situation. Which one would it be?
1: One word to describe my work situation. Yeah. Um, thrilling <laughs> Love it. yeah that's really good awesome. it's you know it's actually pretty it's it's actually pretty good for a law. there's not very many law firms that are really thrilling right I mean <laughs> but it's not me it's it's just the work that comes across my desk and the people yeah. that I get to work with and it makes awesome. it that way
0: awesome are there also <laughs> things that you that you don't like maybe working too much or
1: um Well, one thing that can be really challenging is that I wear a lot of different hats, right? Like I am, even though I have people that help me, there are certain parts that I do outsource. um, I still have to over, because I'm the only lawyer, I still have to like overlook each of those and everything that goes out, everything that gets filed has to go across my eyes. Right. So there can be a lot of, there can be a lot of work in that. Um, because I wear the hat of an attorney. Um, I'm the marketing person. I am the visionary. I have, I do, you know, I overlook admin administrative and a lot of firms have attorneys that will, you know, they'll overlook each department, even if they don't really do business development necessarily, they, they may, overlook that, that, you know, the marketing department of the firm. So I kind of do all of those.
0: So you have all the responsibility.
1: Right, right. I don't share the responsibility with any other attorney. So, and it's definitely something that I, I struggle with daily. I think, should I have a partner, you know, and I already have like in mind some great attorneys that I would love to work with. You're also solo. But I'm like, whoa, I don't know if I want to take that on, you know, because I am at that point where I try to take Friday afternoons off, right? And my weekends, my weekends are my weekends. Like I, it is really, these days, it, it's really hard to get me to come in and work on a weekend. I will if I have to, like if there's an urgent deadline, but they're very sacred to me. And so.
0: <laughs> That's important to really get that separation between uh, like work life and private Oh, life.
1: it's so important. I could not agree more. Yeah.
0: Um, what excites you most about the whole Amazon industry? Is it, uh, you mentioned that you love working with international clients, mm. but what is special for you about having Amazon sellers as clients?
1: Well, I have an entrepreneurial spirit and I love working with people who have have that same entrepreneurial spirit, right? And I get I get to see a lot of that. A lot of these people, that's what they you know, they're small businesses, right? They're they're trying to kind of live like that American dream, like no matter where they are, right? Like they're like I can do this, I can like start this business. And that's the other cool thing about it is that you know, sometimes I talk kind of bad about Amazon for several reasons, but at the same time, Amazon and just e-commerce in general has given this opportunity to a lot of people, right? To be able uh, to kind of break away from working in a company and starting their own businesses. And I think that that. You know, kind of that self-employed. But my parents were self-employed, so I, I've always kind of had that in my life. Um, I love the fact that I get to work with people, and that e-commerce has allowed that. Or it has, you know, kind of facilitated, um, you know, the ability for people to do to, yeah. to do this. So I think with it's really less
0: cool. with less capital to start with.
1: Yes, and that's such a great point, Christina. You know this is one of the few kind of businesses people can start without major startup capital.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. I I mean, it's
1: not by any means without risk, right? Like everything is a risk, but it's not like you're going to be, you know, you, you start a franchise, like some of the franchise fees in the U S for businesses are crazy expensive hundreds of thousands of dollars. And you have to have a lot of that liquid. Yeah. So that's prohibitive to a lot of people.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I, I have the exact same uh, opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, what was your biggest challenge becoming self-employed? Um, I, I am in contact, of course, with a lot of Amazon sellers and most of them are like, yeah, right now it's a side business, but I don't know if I should do it full-time. Being mm-hmm. self-employed is, yeah, I mean, it's a challenge. Which yeah. challenges did you face so far, if any?
1: Yeah, <laughs> no. <laughs> um I think it's a challenge that I still like, it kind of, I think as entrepreneurs. We like learning and we like doing, and we like kind of discovering new things. And sometimes we get shiny object syndrome. Do you know what I'm saying? Like you see like, Oh, I want to try out that new technology or I want to try this new marketing thing when you haven't really taken the time to kind of dig into one thing. So I, I've found that to be challenging for myself, because I'm like, oh, I want to try something different. I want to try this over here without maybe, ha- you know, allowing, you know, certain certain things to kind of percolate and see if they work. Yeah. That's been a big challenge. I think another big challenge um, that I see a lot of people face, and I've had the same thing, is cash flow management, right? Our A lot of times as entrepreneurs, our cash flow just, you know, it's like a roller coaster. It goes up and down constantly. And it's something that I am working on myself, right? Cause it's not like you're getting a paycheck every week. Yeah. <laughs> right? You, you know, and then you have.
0: input you know, equals output. When <laughs>
1: no, yeah. It's just, you might have Amazon hold your funds for some reason, right? Yeah. Or you, for some reason you have clients that are slow to pay and you know, it can get kind of scary when you're like, okay, I need it. I've got these bills to pay over here, right? Yeah. Or there's something you want to do with your business to grow, but you don't have the cash flow. So I think cash flow management is an issue for a lot of of entrepreneurs, especially. Yeah. Um, my advice in that, And I wish I was better at this whole situation myself. I could probably give better advice. <laughs> but you know, I think one thing that's really important is looking into getting some type of like projection software and i've been looking for that so if anybody knows anything about you know
0: send <laughs> you for the, the message
1: <laughs> yeah hello anyone can help <laughs> me uh, i think it's challenged for for a lot of a lot of businesses right okay. because there are th- you know like if you you might for example put a lot of energy in a certain quarter into one aspect of your business for whatever reason and what let's say that that completely flops you know you might not feel the pain of that for another 30 to 60 or 90 days yeah you know what i mean so um it, it's good i think to be able to you know to to have some type of way to manage your cash flow and i think it's something a lot of people struggle with as entrepreneurs
0: yeah definitely was there a time where you wanted to quit for whatever reason and just go back to working as an employee in a firm
1: no <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's good
1: yeah. yeah i mean there's been been times that i'm like oh i wish i could just sit around and like you know watch game of thrones and eat bonbons all day right like and do nothing yeah <laughs> but I know I wouldn't be happy I wouldn't be happy you know doing that um but I I don't I mean I I can't say that I don't have I've had regrets in life leaving a big firm and being solo is not one of them (laughs) very
0: good it means that you're happy at at what you're doing
1: right right
0: (laughs) All right. So um, you said you you would like to be able to manage cash flow maybe a little better. Are there also some other skills or characteristics you wish you had but uh, you don't have?
1: I do wish I was um, I was I wish I was better at tech, like in in doing my website stuff. Like I have to have someone do all of that for me. Cause I'm just like, ugh. anytime I get into the back end of my, my website, I break something. I break a code and I'm just, <laughs> and I think I know how to do this. And then I'm like, ah, someone please come help me. So,
0: <laughs> so you would like to be less dependent on some, someone else and just,
1: yeah. But I know at the end of the day, it makes sense for me. You know, that's the thing. There are certain things in our businesses that you have to say, this is not my zone of genius. Yeah. This is not even my zone of competency, right? Mm-hmm. And in, the, in those situations, you have got to let someone help you. And I've been bad about that in the past where I'm like, I'm going to do it all myself. Or like, I want to learn how to do this. You know, it, it helps to relinquish some control. And yeah. I'm I have not been great at that. And I know that businesses can be more successful when they, you know, allow the photographer to do the photography, right? And the lawyer the, social media the person. To- yes, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So you can't like do everything, even yeah. though as entrepreneurs, a lot of times we want to, or we, we want to learn. But at the end of the day, you got to think about, well, what makes sense here? Does it make sense? Like if you know that you, your hour is worth a certain amount, does it make sense for you to you know, be doing certain tasks in your business. And oftentimes it doesn't make sense.
0: Right. So, um, programming or managing websites can feel like you have to have a superpower to do this, but if you (laughs) could have like an actual superpower, which one would it be?
1: I would like to be able to teleport
0: to anywhere
1: in the world without having to like I would love to be like in that room with you right now in Munich.
0: Oh, thanks.
1: <laughs> and and like hang out and go get some coffee after this, right? Or yeah. a beer, cause it's in the yeah. evening for you or getting in later into the evening. Um, I think that would be cool because I hate air travel. I used to love it, but I hate air travel these days. So if I could if I could have a superpower, I'd love to be able to tele teletransport. Am I saying that right? Yeah, tele- yeah teletran- teletransport.
0: Yeah, awesome. <laughs> Okay. um, Let's stick to unrealistic scenarios. Um, Imagine tonight you walk into a bar and there's Jeff Bezos and he's like, you can ask me for one favor. Which one would it be?
1: I would ask him to help brand owners legitimately get a hold on the counterfeit issues on Amazon.
0: That's very nice. And super selfless. It takes a lot of work from your plate.
1: Yeah, um, because Amazon. I caution anyone that I know that shops on Amazon. You know, just please be very cognizant of what you're purchasing and who you're purchasing it from. Be careful if you're buying edibles or supplements or anything that goes on or in the body, because they so many people, as you know, don't understand really how the platform is set up and how people can create listings, and then third parties can list against that listing yeah. and they don't understand that when they're purchasing via amazon that they're not purchasing from yeah. amazon amazon is just the platform to provide it so they could I be getting a. to my
0: mom <laughs> yeah
1: they could be getting a face cream yeah. right that has had that has gone through temperature tra- changes in someone's garage for six yeah. months yeah You know, so you gotta be very careful. And I don't feel like Amazon is really stepping it up in that respect. Um I also wish they'd pay their taxes in the US. I think that would be great.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Also in Germany (laughs) would also be great. (laughs)
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) They only do it in Ireland, I think.
1: Um Yeah, they're 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 um yeah. I don't understand honestly how it how it happens or how they can kind of skirt the the laws in the US or Germany and you know, these places, but Yeah, I think I'd ask Bezos that as well.
0: (laughs) Um, Jeff Bezos uh, inspires many entrepreneurs around the world to like reach for the stars. I mean, going from uh, shopping books online to like the largest e-commerce platform in the world. I mean, that's something. Um, Who or what inspires you for your work and your vision?
1: Hmm. That is actually an awesome, awesome question. Who inspires me? You know, I wish I could say, well, (laughs) like if we're kind of going for this big, um, vision person, I'm kind of a fan of Elon Musk. Don't judge me.
0: I don't. (laughs) I think it's great. No, really.
1: Um, yeah, I, I, I just, I love, he's such a visionary. He thinks big, right? But at the same time, like, he comes out with a flamethrower, right? I mean, <laughs> but, you know, he kind of amazes me because, like, he's working, he, like, he has his SpaceX, he has Tesla, you know, he has all these different things that he's working on. And I feel like the things, you know, the ideas that Elon is, Coming up with our world-changing things, like world-changing ideas, and we look back on people like Albert Einstein, and we're like, "Whoa!" You know what I mean? Like, he just changed everyone's thinking. There's so many amazing things about that man, and I feel like in a hundred years, it's going to be the same thing with Elon Musk. So I enjoy reading about him and learning about him,
0: and you know, he's and such reading his neighbor. tweets. <laughs> He also yeah, he delivers some be- good stuff for memes and stuff, so
1: yeah yeah he's had some interesting some interesting tweets so um he's yeah, a, he's, he's, a, he's an
0: entertaining person let's let's put it that way um, um, would you also work with Elon Musk, or would you rather hire another famous person to work with you or for you?
1: Oh, I'd love to work with him
0: <laughs> I think you can learn yeah. just a lot I
1: want to absorb his like his brain, cause his yeah. brain is really out there. He doesn't think like a lot of people, right. He has a very unique um, perspective and I don't know if he's technically like a genius. I, I really have no idea, but, um, and sometimes I feel like that whole genius, you know, I scored a some, something, something I you know, I have an IQ of whatever. I think that kind of stuff is those types of, um, classifications are kind of overrated
0: yeah things so right yeah all right, right. then uh, i'm at my second to last question if you had the attention of all amazon sellers in the whole world and you could broadcast something for one minute what would you say to them
1: attention amazon <laughs> sellers <laughs> This is Susie Higson. <laughs> or I could have like a megaphone. Um, <laughs> I would tell these people that I want you to be as thoughtful about trademark creation as you are about product selection because Amazon sellers all over the world your products are going to end up in a in a landfill they're going to end up rusting away but your brand names can last forever can last as long as you continue to use them and they can grow in value right so don't treat trademark selection for your products as just some like you know afterthought be thoughtful when you go you know be purposeful when you when you create your trademark It's so important. Think about certain brands. I mean, we can list a bunch of German brands that have been around a long time. Right. Um, and BMW, (laughs) probably the value of the name, the brand name, BMW, just the value of that intangible could be more than all of their tangible products combined. And you think about what BMW does, not just on their vehicles, but their brand reputation, their um the licensing that they do the
0: sponsoring events
1: yeah their their merchandise like all of these things so um that you know people don't realize the importance of of those brand names a lot of times because it's so ingrained like it's we see starbucks but we don't really think about star. like we don't think about that brand we think okay I know I'm going to go in there and I'm going to get this a certain type of experience. If I go into that store, it's going to be the same if it's in Munich or if it's in New York city and you know, that brand reputation is so important and people overlook it in private label. And I, and I just, it's part of the reason that I'm so passionate about people creating strong trademarks is I just, I, I want them to grow businesses that that, you know, that, that increase in value over time. Right. And you can do that. The best way to do that is with your trademark, with your brand name.
0: All right. Um, Then I'm already at my uh, last question. So this was your first tip. Can you give me two additional tips uh, that you would give to any Amazon seller out there? Could be about uh, entrepreneurship in general, or also about selling on Amazon or branding stage is yours.
1: I think it's important if you are, so I, I'm i kind of giving this guidance from the perspective for, for people who do private label, right? And not necessarily third-party sellers, but for people um, that do private label, like, I think it's really important when you're, when you are selecting your products to sell to really think about a passion product, right? Like, you know, I know that there's all these online you know, programs that you can do to see what sales and, you know, how much, you know, people are making and what competition is. But I think something that's important to factor into this is do you love the product, right? From my experience, the clients that I work with, the ones that seem the happiest and most successful are the ones who are selling products for that, that are related in some way to something they're passionate about, right? Like a sport um, or, you know, certain types of kitchenware, like if they love cooking, right? I, and then I have clients in, that do supplements and they're really into keto, you know, keto, have you heard of the keto diet? Yes, so yes. those are the people who they have a really, it's like they have, they're not just interested in selling the product on Amazon. Like they're interested in the in sort of developing this whole like brand essence around it. So, you know, instead of selling something, you're totally not interested in, if you're a 65 year old guy and you're like, I really want to sell cosmetics to, you know, to, or, or, you know, foundation and lipstick and stuff like really think, are you really interested in cosmetics? Like maybe some maybe some sixty five year old men are I mean I'm sure there's a few out there that are, yeah. <laughs> but do you know what I mean like he, you know do you know what I'm saying like it's be passionate
0: hard with the product
1: you yes, I think that's important and and there are people that say that's not important. there are people that say go where the money is, but I'm telling you in terms of a long term business and people being happy, and it's not all just about the money coming in, like you know what I mean so I think the money will come. I I just think it's so important to pick a um, a passion product, so something they're passionate about. All right. And then I guess my second piece of advice um, would be get a mentor. Um, As entrepreneurs, we like to do everything, (laughs) right? We like to because we like figuring stuff out, right? And you know, sometimes we'll get on the internet, we'll look around. Oh, what's what is What's the answer to this?
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> right. Um, but I think it's really important to, to get a mentor and they don't have to necessarily know everything about private label. You know, maybe you want a mentor um, that's, that has like a really amazing financial background, right? It, the point of it is, is getting sort of, and I don't even really want to call it coat. It's a consultant, right? A business consultant or mentor. I think this is so important. And it's something that I just did about three years ago and made such a huge difference in my business is getting my own. I think everyone needs kind of a mentor. Um, and you also feel
0: more secure maybe when you have someone to talk to. Yes.
1: Even if you don't, it's just so good to have someone to be like, I'm thinking about doing X, Y, Z. What are your thoughts on this? What are the repercussions of this? And it's, it doesn't necessarily work to go talk to our spouse, you know, our partners about these things or our parents, right? (laughs) You, You know what I mean? You need, I think, a mentor that can take, can come at your business from a very different perspective. And my first mentor that I got is actually, um, into branding and marketing. And she, she, Provide amazing. Amazing. She's not. She's not a lawyer, right? Like, I don't need a lawyer mentor. Like, I had a lawyer mentor for eight years who who mentored me on law, and I'm like, okay, I really don't need that anymore. I need a business mentor. Like, I needed someone that had a different perspective than me. Yep. Having that different perspective, someone that might not really necessarily agree with you on everything, or that you don't agree with, is totally okay. But it's so great to have that person to bounce you know, ideas off, off of it. And also, I think, Christine, another important thing is that accountability factor. Like if you, t- if you have a conversation with your mentor and you say, you all decide that you're going to ta- do tasks A, B, and C, and you're meeting in two weeks. I don't know about you, but I'm like, I'm gonna- I-, I made good grades in school, yeah. right? I bet you did too. But I was like, I'm going to have A, B, C ready for her in a bonus, you know?
0: Yeah. So the <laughs> motivation for remember- this. Yeah,
1: I didn't want to. I don't want to let her down. Like I feel count. You I know want to what make I me mean? proud. So, yes.
0: <laughs> all right.
1: So yeah, I think it's. I think it's something that no matter what level of business you're at, it's really important to have that. So.
0: All right. Thank you so much. Then we're already at the end of our interview. Thanks so much for the insights and for answering all of my questions. It was a pleasure having you on. Thank you so much, Christine. It was a lot of fun. Alright guys, that's it for today, that was my interview with Susan Hickson. If you have any questions for Susan or for me, simply drop your comment below. I also included some helpful links in the description where you can find out more about the private label Law Boutique and Sermando.com. And if you haven't subscribed to our channel yet, you can do this by either putting the subscription button here or this button here. (laughs) And yeah, I will see you guys next time.